I think it's important for us to, to really understand who Peter is and then listen to what he is telling us as believers. Peter suffered many trials. He went through trials. It's said of Peter that um, uh, his death, he died upside down on a cross. He didn't want to be crucified like his Savior, so he asked to be crucified upside down. So his life, isn't he the one that got frustrated and said, I, I go efficient? Well, was that Peter? Go back to what he knew, right? Go back to his old lifestyle. Was that, was that Peter that said that? And so you think about Peter, he, he just was a fisherman. His worst day, if he didn't catch fish, he just didn't eat that day. Go out tomorrow and eat. Catch fish and eat. That would have been the worst that happened to Peter. Maybe his nets get tangled up and he has a bad day. But when he met Jesus Christ, suffering started. He started going through trials. His life changed. He was put in places and he was put in circumstances that he didn't know how to deal with. He's writing this, this, this chapter, he's writing this book for, of 1 Peter, and he is helping us understand how to deal with trials. And he's one that understood. I'll never forget at my dad's funeral, a lady came up to me and she said this. She says, I understand how you feel. We lost our family pet of 12 years. And I'm standing next to my dad's casket. He's in, he's in the casket next to me. I'm looking at my dad and she says, I understand how you feel. We lost our family pet. He's 12 years old. I thought to myself, okay. I, I, I don't know what to say to that. You know, just pat her on the shoulder and helped her walk by. But I remember thinking this, I don't think you understand how I feel. I mean, I don't know how much you love your family pet, but it's, I think it's a little bit different, you know? Peter here is not somebody that's going through, uh, telling us how to go through something that never experienced it. Peter is one that has experienced suffering. Peter is one that his whole life was changed when he met Jesus Christ. Peter made mistakes. What we're looking at here in the book of 1 Peter, we're looking at now a very mature Christian. I like watching Christians or, or, or Bible characters develop throughout the Word of God. Not everyone that we come across in the Bible, we, we watch them grow and develop. Some we just see one time and that's all we see them. Peter's one of those that, that we watch him grow. He goes from making mistakes. He goes from saying things that are just foolish. He goes from, from, from uh, taking matters into his own hands to becoming someone now that as we look into the scripture here, he's giving us hope and giving us help. He's going from an immature Christian to a very mature Christian that's able to help people. And what brought him to that place was the journey of suffering. He responded correctly to suffering in his life. When he met Christ, life didn't get easy. 
they weren't persecuting fishermen. But they're going to persecute Christians. His life was taken from him because of his relationship and his belief in Jesus Christ. That probably wouldn't have happened if he just would have stayed as a fisherman. And so we come to this in, 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 in 1 Peter in understanding who this person is. What's good to see in the scriptures, we can find what got him to this place. And I think knowing then who he is, knowing the journey that he's gone through, we can trust. And I know we say, well, we can trust it because the Holy Spirit of God uh, uh, caused Peter to, to pen these words. And we trust that. We believe that. We know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. But, but in this, we know that Peter understands. So the hope, the, the comfort, the confidence that Peter gives to us, we know this, he lived through it. When you have a, a problem, don't you like to go to people that have lived through something similar to get advice? You ever gotten advice from somebody that they knew exactly, they told you how you're feeling and you didn't even understand how you were feeling? And you're sitting there and they say, you feel this way. How do they know that? They've been there. Peter's been there. Peter learned this. I don't find hope in myself, in my strength. My hope is found in Christ Jesus. And he's encouraging us in this first chapter of 1 Peter, he's encouraging us that that is where we find hope as well. Look with me, if you would, please, in verse number 17. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect to persons, judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Let me just stop right there and hear Peter. Peter, he knew what he was talking about in verse number 19. He saw this. He knew Christ. He, he, he witnessed this, what he's talking of. He saw the empty tomb. He saw the, the Christ on the cross. He, he, knew, he knew what he was talking about here. This is not something that, that he had no idea what he was saying. He was there. He knew the power of the cross. He knew the power of the resurrection. And he's giving us confidence in, in, in comfort there in verse number 19. Let's move on in verse number 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and your hope might be in God seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. That's an important verse, and we're going to come back to that verse as well. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. In verse number 24, for all flesh is as grass. And all glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. And this is such a great verse. It's, this is one of the verses I wish we'd start it with. But he ends this chapter with. 
but the word of the, of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto us. That first part of that verse, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. He knew this, that what Jesus Christ, who he was, the Bible says this, in the, in the beginning was what? The word. The word was with God. The word was God. That word is who? Jesus Christ. Peter knew the word. He knew the power of Christ. He knew who Christ was. And he knew this, that, that, that Christ, the word of God, Christ endureth forever. And that was, that's vitally important as you journey through suffering, as you go through trials. He calls them the trials of your faith, like the, the huge things that, that just rock you, that shake you. He comes to the verse number 25, and his confidence is in this, the fact that the word of the Lord endureth forever. He's confident because he knows this, Jesus Christ, the word of God, he endures forever, and that who is who his salvation is in, so therefore nothing can happen that can take away his salvation. His, it's secure. His relationship in Christ is secure. And when he understands that, and when that is the foundation of his life, then anything that comes his way, he can deal with and endure, not in his strength, but because he's, he's depending upon something that's going to last forever. And so that's important for us to, to, to close with. But I think that's a verse that it's, it's very important for us in trials. We need a reminder of truth. We need to remember that when things come into our life, when things that just shake us, things that, that cause us to question, things that, that are difficult, where really, I mean, it's not, this isn't a small deal. This is something huge in our life. When those issues come, those trials come, those major events come in our life, we know this, that our foundation, truth, endures forever. If that foundation is secure, if it is, is believed, then that means we know any trial, any trial we can get through. All right? So Peter, Peter is coming to the end of this chapter. We, we, I don't want to rehearse and go through all the other verses leading up to this place. But Peter is coming to the place here in this chapter where he's giving comfort I believe that Peter is giving comfort and in, in, in he speaks. When you, when you think about the, the loudmouth Peter, the, the one that talks before he thinks, the one that, you know, just cuts the guy's ear off just, just, just because. I, I think he didn't know what to do, so he just overreact. I mean, you think about that guy. And you read 1 Peter chapter 1, it's not the same guy. He's talking very tenderly. He's talking the comfort. Like, Peter would be, the Peter we would see earlier in his life, I could just imagine what he would have written. Like, he would just tell you what he thought and not really care how it's set. You know people like that? Like, hey, I'm just going to give it to you. I don't care what you think. Like, how did that help me then? <laughs> Peter's had a place in his life, in his walk with the Lord, in his, in, has matured as a Christian, that he truly cares. I think about this with Peter when Jesus said to Peter, feed my, what? Sheep. He was telling Peter, 
to be a shepherd, to feed my sheep. He wasn't telling them physical food. What he was saying is this, spiritually, help my sheep, encourage them, feed them spiritually, help them to grow. I'm, I want you to, 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 to look at these, these sheep and I want you to nourish them. And, and that's what I find in 1 Peter. I find now here's Peter being asked to, to feed his sheep. And here's Peter now trying to nourish and feed. And in first, for the first verse here of 1 Peter, we find Peter, uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, the strangers scattered throughout. These were Jews that were scattered now throughout Asia Minor, and Peter was now dealing with them, and he's writing them, and you know what he's doing to them? He's feeding them. He's encouraging them. He's telling them this, by experience, trials are going to come, and things are going to come that are going to shake you to the core. There's going to be times that, that, that these trials will, will this, this, this life on earth is a journey of suffering, and suffering is going to come. But he tenderly, compassionately is trying to help the believer grow as a Christian. He's causing them to see that the trials shouldn't push you away from God, but that these trials are there to pull you close to God. They're there so that you understand who God is. And what Peter's doing in this first chapter, he's helping the believer, he's helping the stranger in, in verse number one. He's helping that believer that, that is in a foreign land that's trying to survive, that's trying to get through life. He's helping them understand God. He's wanting this believer to have the relationship with God that he enjoys. If you want to seek to help somebody, help somebody know God greater. Your advice isn't what somebody needs in a trial. It's God's word. It's not, well, sit down and let me tell you what I think. It's God's word. And that's what Peter is giving. Peter's been through trials. Peter's been through this situation. And he comes, and now he's offering comfort. In verse number 18, I see that he's offering hope here. He says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. What he's saying is there, you have, you have hope. You were saved because of what Jesus Christ did, not some corruptible thing that's going to fade away. Religion didn't save you. Religion hasn't saved anybody. I, I've said this to you, I think, many a times before, but I'll never forget being in Montreal and, and, and watching this guy climb these steps, 150 or so wooden steps, climbing these steps on his hands and knees. And at each step, he'd stop and he'd pray and he'd go all of these steps all the way up this giant, giant mountainside, hoping, hoping that if, 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 if St. Joseph would see him and see the, 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 what he's putting himself through, that maybe, maybe he would help someone that's hurting in his life. And I watched this guy because I, I had never seen anything like this. And I watched him as he went from step to step. When he got to the top, his knees were bloodied and his, his elbows and his, his, his uh, arms here were bloodied from climbing up these steps. And I thought to myself, here's a man that's trusting in religion. And he's going to find that religion offers no hope. 
Peter is showing us here in verse number 18, religion, what the traditions from your fathers, those things, religion offers nobody hope. Religion takes from a man. Religion takes from somebody. God gives life. Religion takes. You, you, and it's corruptible. It's, it's, it's something that's going to fade away. Our faith in Jesus Christ, we find in this verse, and we find in verse number 25, it endures forever. It is perfect. It endures forever. It's going to be there for all of eternity. Our faith in Jesus Christ is what gets us through our trial, not religion or putting our faith in something else. And so he's reminding us of this. He's reminding that traditions of your fathers, religion, uh, going through these things are just corruptible things. He's showing us that we can have hope. He says this in verse number uh, 20, who verily was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in those last times with you, uh, for you. And you reading through this, and, and, and here Peter just kind of inserts this right in there. He's reminding us that before, before Genesis chapter number one, before the foundations of the world, before we even existed, God had a plan to redeem mankind back to him. Why is that so important? I believe that's so important for us to know because God has a plan. God is a sovereign God. He is reminding us of God's sovereignty here. He's showing us this, that in, in, in when, when it came to us being redeemed back to God, when it came to our salvation, this is not something that, that, that uh, God had to figure out and, and wasn't sure what to do, and so he scrambled and, and did whatever he could do. God foreordained this. He knew this was going to happen. He had a plan. Well, he knew that mankind was going to sin. He knew. He knew there needed to be a, a payment for that sin. He foreordained. He knew that Jesus was going to have to go to the cross. He knew he was going to have to suffer. He knew that the blood would have to be shed. He knew that Jesus Christ was going to rise from the dead. He knew that. He knew that because he's God. He's sovereign. And God knows every single trial you'll go through in your life as well. There's never been anything in your life that's happened that God says, I don't know what to do now. He's sovereign. He knows the beginning from the end. There's nothing in your life that's going to happen that, that throws God off where he's not sure how he's going to help. Every journey, every situation that Peter went through in his life, God used that situation to draw Peter close to him. Why? Because God needed Peter to stand up and preach that the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people to be saved. God needed the strangers that were scattered abroad to be able to, to, to have the word of God, to encourage them. God knew that you're going to go through a trial in your life and that you were going to need help and encouragement and, and strength. He knew those things. And, 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 and none of that surprises God. Your worst trial, God uses to draw you close to him. That's the point. And what Peter is showing us is God, God knew, God knew before the foundation of the earth that, 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 that Jesus Christ was going to come. He knew that. And God knew what you needed in your life to get through the trials. And he can supply every single need. There's never a situation that you find yourself in that God doesn't have an answer for. 
Now, have you ever been in a place where you thought, I don't know what we're going to do. This is like bad. This is tough. Peter's found himself there. In every single time, you know what he found? Jesus was sufficient. Listen, if you, you've got to get that. That's what all of this is built upon. Jesus is sufficient. He will meet every need. Every trial. The trials are not there to push you from God. The trials are not there to break you. The trials are there. The journeys of suffering you go through in life, they're there to cause you to come closer to God. There are things that Peter knew in the maturity he got to and in a place in his Christian walk where he could pen these words because he allowed for those trials to bring him to God, to understand something about God instead of allowing those trials to push him from God. And that's important for us as believers. We have to learn to trust God in every situation. See, it's easy when we have it all figured out to trust God, isn't it? But Peter is showing us this. When you don't have it figured out, trust God. He has the answer. He's a sovereign God. The trials, the journey of our faith, the trials that we go through here on this earth, they're meant for us to go through so that we understand who God is. Trials are not mistakes. They're there on purpose, Christian, so that you experience God in a way that you could not outside of those trials. And so he is showing us in verse number 20 that God is a sovereign God. God knows what he's doing. Don't you like to be able to rely on someone that knows what they're doing? Do you ever ask someone for directions that has no idea where? I, um, I was, yesterday I was trying to find a place and my GPS kept telling me that I'm there. Has, has, has Siri ever lied to you before? She's lied to me. She lied to me yesterday. She told me I was there, and you are there, you are there, you are there. Ever happened to you? You are there. And I'm like, I'm not there. I'm not there. And, and I just had to shut her off. I was upset. So then I say to a guy that's there, I say, hey, I'm looking for such and such place, and my GPS tells me it's here. He goes, oh, no, 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 it's that way. And if you go down there and he tells me where to go, he even told me to make a right turn. I mean, I believed him. And I did exactly what he said. I went about a mile down the road and then went to the, the gas station. I made a right turn to try to find where I was supposed to go, only to find out that guy had no idea any more than Siri where I was supposed to go. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I wanted to give him Siri and say, go, both of you, both of you need help. Only to find out I was supposed to go the other direction. That's where I needed to be. And, and, and <laughs> here... Here, I want help, and I can't find help. That's not the way it is with God. Our trials are there to him, for him to help us through that trial, to understand something in that trial. And we come to verse number 
21. Look with me there. For uh, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory. That's important. And gave him glory. And look at the end of this first. That your faith and hope might be in who? In God. That your faith and hope might be in God. That was a lesson for Peter. Peter was the one that had to do everything his way. He knew the answer, right? He knew what to do. But Peter had to come to the same conclusion that all of us have to come to this. Our faith and our hope, it needs to be in God. And so here he is showing us in, in helping us to know who to trust in. Do you ever get to a place in life where you say, I don't know who to trust? I don't know who to believe. I don't know what to believe. Well, mark it down. You can always trust God. You can always believe his word. He's never promised something in his word and has ever taken it back. And so Peter is at a place, and this is a place where it shows his maturity in Christ because Peter wasn't always this way. Peter was one that he would respond and react in his own flesh and, and say what he felt he needed to say. And now here's the mature Peter. Here's the, the, the Peter that is, as a seasoned Christian, he's reminding us who by him to believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Peter is showing us who we're to have our faith and hope in. Now, those are great words we say, I believe God. Do you believe him on that path, on that journey of suffering when you come to the place where it's the trial of your faith and, and you're not sure what to do? Do you trust him through that? And that's where Peter is encouraging us as, as the believer to get to. As, he, as he's been instructed to feed my sheep, he's helping those that are scattered abroad. They're not in their homeland anymore. They're at a, a different place physically. And also, now that they're saved, they're here on this earth. And this earth is not their home. Heaven now is their home. And now they're not only scattered as Jews all over. Now they're saved. And this earth isn't their home. And they're going to go through suffering. And what Peter is showing them is this and encouraging them is this. Put your faith and trust in God. You did it when you got saved. Remember back then when you were introduced to Jesus Christ and, and someone told you that, that God loved you and that, that you're not saved from good works. You're not saved by keeping the law. You're not saved by religion. You're saved by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And remember that time that you trusted that. You believe that. You believe that he died. You believe that he, that he rose from the dead. You believe. You believe that through Jesus Christ and him only is salvation remember that time now trust him in your trial as well if you trusted him for salvation then trust him today as well trust him if you if, if you believed that he was the way to, to be redeemed back to God then believe that he loves you enough today in your trial so whatever you're dealing with, he is, he is instructing us here to who to trust in. He reminds us that, that God never fails. Even when you're in a trial, God hasn't failed you. 
That, that trial is not evidence that God has failed. That trial ought to be a, a, a situation in your life that shows you that God loves you. It's an opportunity for you to see God in a way that you'd never see him before. That's the purpose of that trial. And so as we move on here, I want you to see in verse number 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. This is an encouraging verse as well. As I was studying through this and just I was meditating upon this verse and I was just praying and, and thinking through this verse and asking the Lord to to help me understand. I went to several other passages of scripture and, and just did a study on love and came back to this verse. And I realized this, you know, God loves me and I believe that. But you know there's times that I know it by how the brethren love as well? You know what has never happened to me? And I know this hasn't happened to anyone else in this room either. If it has, we need to talk afterwards. He has never, he has never physically come over and put his arm around you. Has he? Have you ever been in a trial in someone else, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, come over and put their arm around you, encourage you? Have you ever been encouraged by a fellow believer? That's God using that fellow believer to show you his love. In trials, have you ever been encouraged my um, wife, I, I think I told the church this on Sunday, and I like it because I've gotten some, some good things out of this. What is it called? Instapot. Yeah, an Instapot. Now, it's not a porta pot it's Instapot. We got a new Instapot at our house. Do you know what an Instapot is? I mean, you can, you can cook a frozen turkey. I was reading it. You could, a uh, chicken, not a turkey, it's not big enough for turkey, but you could cook a frozen chicken in an hour. Yeah. How many of you are impressed by that? I am. Hey, babe, I'm hungry for turkey or chicken. It's all frozen. It's done in an hour. That's encouraging. She took a whole thing of eggs and boiled them like that. And everything the book said, it did. I mean, I was impressed with this thing. We sit around the counter and we watch this thing. <laughs> Seriously. Like, what is this magic? We just can't believe it. And so, my wife went through a little something last a week or so, a week and a half ago, and she was discouraged. And then Chloe goes to the door on Saturday, and I knew it was coming. I knew it was. And, and I knew the box with it, but I didn't want to bring the box in. Because I wanted to see what she thought. 
So Chloe goes to the door and Chloe says, there's a big box outside. I said, well, bring it in. She says, it's too big for me to bring in. I said, go get some help. So she calls for Michelle to come help her bring this box in. Michelle goes out and it said Instapot right on the outside of the box. So it didn't, it wasn't a surprise because she can read. And so she's bringing this box in and she's, she's like, as she's coming in the house, she's getting more and more excited. It's an Instapot. It's a, and, and I didn't really know what it was at that time. And I was like, okay. And she said, did you get this for me? She was so excited. She was so excited that she thought I got her an Instapot. And I, as excited as she was getting, I was ready to take the credit for it. I'm thinking there's going to be some smooching going on here. She thinks I got her this Instapot. But I knew I couldn't lie. And, and, and so as she was coming over with this big box, ready to give me a kiss and say thank you, I said it wasn't from me. And that encouraged her even more. I thought, that's odd. Wait a minute. <laughs> and she said, how do you know? I said, well, I know who bought it. And she said, why'd they do that? I because they wanted to encourage you. And I'll tell you, it was encouraging to watch someone else be encouraged by a brother or sister in Christ. I saw God work through the life of someone else that wanted to show love. And it encouraged someone that's going through a trial. Here, Peter, Peter shows us this. He says, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Nothing in return. I think it's important for us as believers to seek out and help people that are going through trials. It reveals God to them. There are people that go through trials and they feel like they're alone. They feel like God doesn't care. They feel like maybe God has forgotten and, and, and they won't admit that because then it makes them sound like a bad Christian. But the reality is this, there are, is times that maybe you've gone through and you say, God, do, are you even there? Do you even care? And God brings one of his children alongside of you and shows you love that only could come from a relationship with God. You know, I think Peter learned you need other people. Christians need other Christians. In your trial, we're not to face them alone. We are to face them knowing that our confidence is in the Lord, that our trust is in the Lord, that our faith is in the Lord. That's the foundation of what we believe. I believe that. I trust that. I know that God is real. I know that I can trust in him. And all I know this, that when I feel alone, I see the love of Christ through somebody else. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed help and somebody helped you? And you say to yourself, why did they do this? How did they know? 
Did you ever get a card from somebody or uh, 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 a phone call or text message from somebody? Every so often I, I, I um, go through and I'll pray for different people and I, as I'm praying for them, there's times that I'll just, I'll send them a text and I just want them to know that I'm thinking about them. I, Lord, just put in my heart and I just prayed for them and, 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 and that person will say, how did they know? They'll text back, how did you know I needed prayer today? I didn't. I think Christians ought to live to where they're sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God because God wants to encourage his children and he uses his children to do it. And when God puts somebody on your heart, don't just pass through that moment. God will put somebody on your heart so that you'll encourage them so that they have something to hold on to in the trial. I've... I've, I've, either text somebody or call somebody and they'll say, did, 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 did my wife call you and tell you I was having a bad day? No, the truth is no, I didn't. How did you know? I didn't. I just know this, that I was asking the Lord to allow me to be a blessing. The Lord put somebody on your heart and you encourage them. You love the brethren. You know, Peter is at a place in his life where he realizes the necessity of brotherly love. Do you remember that the apostles at one time they were fighting like who was going to be on the right hand? Like who, who's going to be the most important? Like when we get to heaven, who's going to be the most important, Lord? You know what he's learned now? <laughs> That's not even important. What's important now is for me to be a blessing to somebody, to show the love of Christ to somebody. We had... Um, I won't give you names, but these things are so important. I, a couple weeks ago, uh, several weeks ago, we had a offering, a uh, benevolence offering at the end of communion. And somebody, somebody, uh, uh, we took that offering and several people had said, hey, I, I, I wasn't prepared for that offering and so we weren't able to give. So they said, we want to give and several people added to that offering and that was a wonderful thing. And, and then someone said, you know, I, I want to help somebody specifically. And we helped this family specifically because somebody asked. And we went to this family and, and um, they came to me and, and uh, asked me if I could meet with them. And we talked and I gave them this, this note and this, this, this uh, check. And I said, I said, there's somebody, somebody in our church cares enough about you to want to be a blessing to you. And as I said that, the wife, it was a husband and wife there, the wife just, I mean, it was like someone turned the faucet on and just poured out. Right in the front of the church. I grabbed my tissue and I realized after that I blew my nose on it, so I put it back. I, didn't, I couldn't help her. She's just bawling. And it wasn't the money. It was when I said to her, someone loves you and wanted to be a blessing to you is when she just lost it. And it was a few weeks ago. Yesterday or, or Sunday, this family comes back up to me and, and, and she just said, so somebody on purpose Wanted to be a blessing to us? 
And I said, yes. Now, that was a couple weeks ago that happened. This past Sunday, she comes up to me with her husband, and she asked me, like, I just need to verify this. So somebody wanted to help us, and I said, yes. And she did it to me again. Like the faucets opened up. And it wasn't that she was doubting it. She just needed to be encouraged again. I like, at times, being a pastor is very hard. At other times, it's very nice. You know why? Because there are a lot of people who love to do other good things for people, and they don't want any credit. So you know what they do? They use me as like the mediator. It's like, like I'm Santa Claus. Like, hey, would you um, go give this to this person, but don't tell them. And it's fun. It's awesome. Delivering something to somebody's house and saying, sorry, it's not from me. I can't tell you it's from. But somebody loves you. And that person's countenance just changes. You've seen it, Brother Joe, haven't you? Here, here, somebody wanted to share something with you. And they're in a trial. They're carrying a burden. They can't see the way out. And God puts it on somebody else's heart to say, be a blessing. And in that person's trial of their faith, they see God. By the way, somebody loves. Isn't that an amazing thing? God uses his people to share love. Care is giving. Care is given through God's people, through trials. You know, Peter learned through his trial that his confidence was in Christ, not himself. And then it got to the place where Peter knew this. I can be used of God when somebody else is going through a trial to show them the love of God. And I think that's important for every believer to see. Let me close with this in verse number 24. For all the flesh is as grass and all the glory of the man of, as a flower of, of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. He says that before he gets to verse number 25 and says this. Our confidence is in the Lord. He endures forever. Everything else in verse number 24 fades away. Everything else is Nothing. Nothing in this world lasts. I believe that he's putting us, putting that right there, right before he tells us where we can find our confidence in, that the fact that the word of God endureth forever. He's telling us this, don't put confidence in anything in this world because it's not going to last. You can't trust in the world. You can't live for this world. And joy isn't found in material things. Getting thing, material things, they're going to fade away. Our hope, our confidence is in the, in, in, in the fact that what we have through Jesus Christ, it never fades away. Never is gone. Every hurt, every trial, every suffering you go through, God has something through that he wants you to have. And through that, you learn something about God even greater. And what you learn is what God gives you never fades away. I never lose my salvation. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? No matter how bad life gets, there's things I can't lose. I can lose my house. I can lose my car. I can lose material things. 
But you know, no matter how hard something gets, no matter what the suffering brings, there are certain things I can never lose. And the things that I can never lose are the things that Peter is telling us, put your confidence in those things. In your trial, think on those things. On your trial, realize those things, and that will cause you to have your mind set on the right things. Instead of looking at what I'm losing, I can look at the fact on things that I'll never lose. And if I keep my eyes and my focus and my heart and my mind upon God in what he gives, those things never fade away. They endure forever. Nothing this world has to offer is going to last Everything Jesus Christ offers endures. So whatever trial you're in, this first chapter, as I've studied it, it just amazes me and encourages me as I think about where Peter was and now where Peter's at. And what the trials and what the difficulties Peter's been through. Now he's giving advice to those strangers that are scattered abroad. He's saying this, you can get through it. Not because you got a sword and you can chop somebody's ear off. Not because you got a, a mouth and, and you can tell somebody off. Not because you have possessions or you have riches. You can get through this. And you know how I know? Because I've learned this. My confidence is in the Lord. My salvation is sure. And my trust and my hope is in what can never fade. You can take everything, but you can't take away what God has given me. And that's where we ought to have our hope in.